The Chicago Bears were already lacking with proven talent at wide receiver, and now with injuries piling up at training camp, it feels like it's time to go out and get something else to help Justin Fields. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and hopefully every day. On the show today, we look at some wide receiver help for the Chicago Bears, specifically not so much in the free agent department. We'll get into why right now, at least, it doesn't seem as likely, but more so looking at other players on other teams right now. It feels to me like perhaps one of the wide receivers that is on the Bears roster week one currently isn't on the Bears roster and may currently be on another team's roster. So we'll look at some of the candidates around the league that seem a little bit more likely as potential trade targets that maybe would be on the roster cut down side of things anyway, and the Bears could either trade for them to get a look at them or just sign them if they're cut by their current team. We'll go through, uh, I've got a handful of guys I want to roll through here and some different wide receiver situations to keep an eye on at other training camps and preseason games. First, we should make sure we lay out clearly how this need is coming together for the Chicago Bears. We just did a podcast yesterday talking about Matt Eberflus's training camp practices and whether or not that's leading to a, a higher rate of injury. And the spoiler alert is, I, I think no. They still have had over 20 players miss practice the last couple of days, but I think it's it's more complicated than just intense practice equals more injuries. I don't think that's exactly the case. Go back and listen to that one for more fleshing out the full issue there. But as part of that, you have Byron Pringle missing and out for an still indefinite amount of time is is how Matt Eberflus is characterizing it. He has some sort of quad injury that is more than just day-to-day, but Matt Eberflus has said that he expects or is hopeful that Byron Pringle will be ready to go for week one. Then yesterday, Thursday, Nikhil Harry officially underwent ankle surgery. It was reported as a high ankle sprain, and I'm in no ways a doctor or know very much at all about medicine or anatomy, but I don't think of sprains as requiring surgery. But regardless, ankle issue, ankle injury for Nikhil Harry has surgery. Don't know how long he's going to be out, but it's expected to be maybe as much as or even more than six weeks, which would put you past week one and into the regular season. So probably probably unlikely that he's going to come back right on the 53-man roster. It could be a stash on injured reserve type player, different options there. And then Valus Jones, the rookie third-round pick, he's been day-to-day missing practices with some kind of injury that the Bears have not disclosed. Valus expected to be back sooner rather than later, so it's not a long-term concern there. But when you have all three of those guys missing practice, yes, you still got Darnell Mooney at the top of the depth chart, kicking butt, doing Darnell Mooney things. But then it's Equinemius St. Brown is basically your, your next man up at wide receiver, and he's not 
proven much in his NFL career, but has looked good at camp and has a strong familiarity with offensive coordinator Luke Getze and the offense that the Bears are running. So there's some reasons to be encouraged about him, but still in, in ideal situation, he's at best your number four wide receiver. Right now he's serving as your number two. Daz Newsom has been playing well and getting some extra opportunities on offense, the sixth round pick from a couple of years ago. And then they have a, 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 slurry, a flurry of other uh, of other wide receivers they've brought in this offseason that are competing for spots. And you don't know, you know, between Dante Pettis, Tajay Sharp, David Moore, you know, Chris Finke, Kevin Shea, uh, or Kevin Shad, Isaiah Coulter, Simba Webster, like a few of those guys have been injured also and in leaving you thin at wide receiver. And all of it says like, yeah, even if the Bears were 100% healthy at wide receiver, you might still like to add something. So then especially with the injuries that they have right now and that at least one of them won't be ready for week one and maybe two of them is possibly, you really could use a little something extra here. And so right away, everyone goes, oh, Will Fuller, free agent, go out, sign him. Like he's he's good. Yeah, he, he is. He's a good NFL wide receiver. It would be great to have Will Fuller in Chicago. But I kind of just get the impression that if it hasn't happened yet, why all of a sudden would it happen? You know, why all of a sudden would the two sides be able to be? I mean, do you think the Bears are sitting here lowballing Will Fuller and he just doesn't want to take that offer? I mean, it just seems to me like with Will Fuller or most of these other wide receivers, it does take two to tango there. And it's not as simple as, oh, the Bears haven't signed Will Fuller, so they just don't want Will Fuller. I would think that perhaps Will Fuller might be waiting for a better opportunity in his eyes, a team that he could think might have a better offense or more opportunities for him when waiting for a team that has some receivers and has a receiver get hurt and that he can step in and play in that bigger role. Or, you know, you can exchange different names in there. Same thing for T.Y. Hilton. Same thing for Emmanuel Sanders. Some of these other guys that are sitting out there on the free agent market that ideally would be upgrades for the Chicago Bears. But if they haven't happened yet, like why all of a sudden now is it going to happen? It just doesn't seem like quite realistic to me. So I'm not, I'm not keeping my fingers crossed that one of those bigger name veteran wide receivers are going to come in. Maybe the Bears could still rotate in a new bottom of the roster guy, but I'm looking for like an impact player with with some some level of either proven production or a high level of talent that you want to get into Chicago and really see what they can do and not just bring in a young developmental guy, but someone with some real, you know, bite to it. So I, I think that's what leads me to look more at other teams' rosters because inevitably a pretty good wide receiver or multiple pretty good wide receivers might not end up making the 53-man rosters on some of these other teams. And it's a great opportunity to go try and get them at a really, really cheap trade cost. Basically, the Nikhil Harry trade all over again. But now that Harry's hurt, let's find the next Nikhil Harry that you can go find from another team, bring to Chicago, and see if he can be an upgrade at wide receiver, likely for a very, very cheap trade in terms of draft, draft compensation. We'll go through some of the big names. We'll circle around a number of different teams, the Giants, the Jets, the Cardinals, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Patriots, the Saints, the Lions, maybe even the Steelers, next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline.net, the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information. Got some time here to get your bets in on this upcoming Bears season. Over under six and a half is the win total at BetOnline. You can bet on their odds to make the playoffs, week one line against the San Francisco 49ers, and so much more. Not just for football, but every league, news and reviews. Major League Baseball in the thick of things. If you look ahead at the futures for basketball, hockey, all already combat sports, soccer, tennis, boxing, esports, golf, you name it. 
BetOnline is your top online resource for all of the sports wagering information, live in-game betting scores. They have you covered. Head on over to BetOnline.net today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. When I start looking around the NFL for other wide receivers that uh, are, you have to hit this threshold of like, they have to be good enough to be an upgrade for the Bears, but not so good that they're going to be so good that the other team doesn't want to get rid of them, or at least doesn't want to get rid of them cheaply, because that's that's the key here. I don't think the Bears should go send a first round pick or a second round pick or a third. I mean, any kind of high draft pick whatsoever. No, there's no need to go that much all in on getting a better wide receiver for Justin Fields right now. It's about finding a guy that you can get cheaper than he should be because the other the team has better options or it's a new regime that doesn't want the previous regime's player or whatever it might be. And there, there's a sweet spot for me here with one player in one situation in particular really seems to kind of have the stars align here as a guy I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm not, I'm not surprised the Bears haven't done it, but it just seems like it makes too much sense for something like this to not get done. And the name is Darius Slayton, the wide receiver for the New York Giants. And there's so many reasons why the Slayton thing makes sense. First and foremost, from the Giants' perspective, right? No team that wants to give up a good player for no reason, right? But the Giants at wide receiver, they have Kenny Galladay. They drafted Kadarius Toney in the first round two years ago. This year, they drafted Wandell Robinson in the second round. They have Sterling Shepard, who's still on the physically unable to perform list. But like, those are your clear top four wide receivers. Then they, they have Richie James from the 49ers, who could be in that competition. A couple of guys they like, you know, Colin Johnson, CJ Board, David Stills in there. So there's still a path for Darius Slayton to make the 53-man roster. But he's much more expendable now. And maybe if he's going to be wide receiver five on their depth chart. Is he going to be as good of a special teams player as some of those other guys? I mean, that's what it might come down to for them, but he could come to Chicago and be more in that three, four, you know, wide receiver, three wide receiver, four. And right now with the injuries wide receiver two after Darnell Mooney. And, and that's why it just feels like from a Giants perspective, he's not, he's not in a great spot for their roster. Plus it is a new head coach, a new offense that didn't draft Darius Slayton doesn't have some of the same connections to him. And then from the Bears' perspective, Bears wide receivers coach Tyke Tolbert came over from the previous Giants regime that drafted Slayton and helped develop Slayton. And Darius Slayton, as a rookie, had 48 catches for 740 yards and eight touchdowns. It was a big surprise breakout as a fifth-round rookie in 2019, but he looked legit. And in his second season, another 750 yards and 50 catches. And then 2021, last year, he was hurt a little bit and the offense was much, much worse. And his production dropped down 26 catches, 340 yards. But like, he's still much more productive and proven as a receiver than most of what the Bears have after Mooney and Byron Pringle. So I I would absolutely go after Darius Slayton for the right price tag, given that you would get your wide receivers coach seal of approval, who's literally coached the guy. So like, if Tyke Tolbert wants him, then you know he's good. And if Tyke Tolbert doesn't want him, then you know it's a good idea not to go get him. But like you have the intel, the Giants have the the not the incentive, but sort of the reason to move to move on from a guy like Darius Slayton. And if you could trade another future seventh round pick, or maybe even a future sixth round pick for somebody like Slayton, I would absolutely bring him in. Certainly, if the Giants cut him, I would be first on that door to get him into this Bears 53-man roster, but that, that would be right at the end of the preseason. The advantage of trading for him is, is that you could get him in earlier, get more work with Justin Fields, and get him as up to speed as possible by week one. Slayton, to me, makes the most sense of, of 
any wide receiver out there fitting that sweet spot of of all the reasons why the Bears should want to get him and why the team might be willing to move on from him. Some of the other ones are more hit and miss because it's hard to tell, right? We're not experts on every single team's inner workings of all their training camp battles and depth charts. But when you start looking around a little bit, there's some guys that are, you know, more in the maybe category. Maybe they're available. Maybe they're not. And maybe the price tag would be right. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they're too good. Maybe they're their teams are not going to be as eager to get rid of them, but still worth kicking the tires on and seeing what your options might be. One of the guys I'm I'm still in love with from a, a draft crush perspective, and he had a decent rookie season two years ago, but Denzel Mims from the New York Jets was their second round pick in 2020 and also finds himself buried a little bit on the depth chart. He is, he's, I really liked him coming out of the NFL draft. I thought he was a really strong route runner, and I thought he had a lot of the things that are harder to teach. And maybe he's not—I mean, he's like six three, two hundred pounds, so he's not huge, but he's not small, and he's not—he's not like four two forty speed, but he's not slow either. Like he's just kind of a—he's got that like Cam. He's not as small as Cam Meredith, but like that Cam Meredith thing was just like if you're just like a good route runner and somebody could get open consistently and make some plays in college at Baylor, like. Sign me up for that. And and Mims has had some injury issues as well that has limited his production. And in New York, they just drafted Garrett Wilson from Ohio State this year in the first round. They drafted Elijah Moore in the second round last year. They signed Corey Davis. They've got Braxton Berrios coming over from the Patriots. I mean, they've got some guys they like at wide receiver. And all of a sudden, Mims is, you know, fifth, fourth, fifth on that depth chart in a competition there. Same kind of story as Darius Slayton. Like, is he is he their guy or are they willing to move on from him cheaper and say, you know, for a second round pick, he just hasn't been able to produce to that second round level. But I really think if he could stay healthy, come to Chicago and be a number two, number three type caliber of, of wide receiver for the Bears. And I would be thrilled to be able to get a guy like Denzel Mims with all these only at the right price on whatever that draft late, late round future draft pick at most is kind of what I'd be looking to trade for any of these players. Because to some extent, it feels like there's some options if you want to bounce around a little bit and see you know, if you're sort of leveraged, like, hey, we could trade for this player, but they're asking for a high price tag. But so then we could get this guy instead for cheaper. I'm not like dead set on it has to be Mims. Like he's so good that you get him over everybody else. It's kind of like any of these guys, if you could get them at a cheaper price tag, go ahead, bring them in. It's worth giving up the trade capital. Like another one we'll go over to another recent high draft pick that isn't like a full on first round bust like Nikhil Harry, but just for whatever reason, really liked them coming out of college and showed a lot of things to like and just haven't been able to, combination of usually like staying healthy and the opportunities in the NFL. Another second round pick, Andy Isabella from the Arizona Cardinals. He was drafted uh, uh, in 2019 out of Massachusetts. A little bit of a smaller school guy and a little bit of a smaller kind of slot receiver, 5'9", 190-ish pounds. The production hasn't really taken off there thus far in his career. His best year is 21 catches for 224 yards, but Again, a lot to like about him out of college, and it feels like the situation in Arizona just hasn't always been ideal for him, plus some injuries in there. But, like, you look at their depth chart. For a while, you know, DeAndre Hopkins has always been stealing a lot of the targets, rightfully so, but now it's it's Hopkins, it's A.J. Green, it's Marquise Brown they just traded for from the Baltimore Ravens, and then they drafted Rondell Moore in the second round last season, and all of a sudden Andy Isabella is fifth on that depth chart there. And there's other guys they've got competing for special teams spots and all that stuff. Not that Isabella is going to miss the 53-man roster, but it's like, it, it seems like the, he feels like more and more the odd man out there. Just a guy that doesn't have 
much of a role at this point in their offense. And if you could trade for him for cheap, he could come to Chicago, be a, a really quick slot receiver with the ball in his hands who could get open underneath and be that nice, reliable safety valve option for Justin Fields on some checkdowns and to make some plays after the catch and even work downfield more and more. I don't want to pigeonhole him into just being a short, shift, short shifty slot receiver. That's a, that's one that's hard to say five times fast and can get you in trouble with the FCC if you say that one too fast. But like, like all, all of those guys like have some some talent pedigree, some production, some draft capital behind them that make them intriguing potential options there. But I look I look around the NFL and there's a, there's a few other wide receiver depth charts where it's like I don't know specifically which player on their depth chart the odd man out is going to be, but they have competitions for like three or four guys there that. One of them's probably not going to make the team, and, and I'll take, I'd be happy to kick the tires on the castoffs from a few of these other teams. We'll kind of look at the Saints, Lions, and Steelers wide receiver depth chart, and a couple of other players we'll throw in the mix here next on Locked on Bears. It's hard to get a full sense of how some of these other teams' wide receiver training camp battles are going to play out, much in the same sense that, like, we don't know who's going to be the Bears' fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receivers down on this depth chart. It is a very open competition, and it's still much opportunity to be earned there. And you can look around the NFL and see some similar situations going on. I think the one that intrigues me the most, where I feel like some level of quality talent should become available one way or another by the time these battles are done, is the New Orleans Saints. Another one of these teams that has gone great strides to try and upgrade and almost overhaul their wide receiving core from what it looked like last season. So, of course, Michael Thomas is coming back, presumably healthy. They just drafted Justin Fields receiver Chris Olave in the first round this year. Thank goodness Chris Olave didn't go to an NFC North rival. That would have been absolutely brutal. And then they signed Jarvis Landry from the Cleveland Browns. And so all of a sudden, that pushes down all of the wide receivers that they really operated with last season because they didn't get much out of... Uh, out of their number one with Michael Thomas last season. It's like, and so between this competition then of Marquez Callaway, Deontay Hardy, and Traquan Smith, I know Kevin White's also there, former Chicago Bears first round pick, and he's expected to be the outside, the the, the main guy likely to be cut there. Do do the do the Saints keep six wide receivers then? Thomas, Olave, Landry, Callaway, Hardy, Smith, or do they want one of their other younger guys to rotate in there in terms of special teams, or do they only keep five wide receivers? It just feels like maybe one of those three of Callaway, Hardy, and Smith could become available. And maybe those guys aren't household names to you right away, but they were the top three options on the wide receiver depth chart for the Saints last season. Marquez Callaway was an undrafted free agent a couple of years ago, and last season he had almost 700 yards and six touchdowns on 45 catches, like 6'2", 200 pounds, by no means do we think he's a, a true number one receiver, but he operated in that type of role last season out of necessity for the Saints. And I'd love to bring in a 700-yard receiver to Chicago. You know, Deontay Harris much more than the 5'6", 170, like, great return man, and that's probably going to keep him on their 53-man roster. But he stepped into a bigger offensive role and had 570 yards, 36 catches, a handful of touchdowns in there as well, and looked like a guy that, if you can find ways to get the ball in his hands on offense— He'll make some plays for you the same way he does on special teams. Would absolutely take a guy like Deontay Harris in Chicago. And then Traquan Smith was their third-round pick in 2018. Has never been much more than a number three, number four receiver for them. I think his career best year was 
448 yards and 35 catches in, in 2020. But, you know, it's still 6'2", 210, big body receiver, some length there, can make plays, be a possession guy for you. So, like, I would absolutely take a, a, a player with that kind of talent and some production behind him coming out of New Orleans. And with the three of them behind three other guys on the depth chart, it just feels like there's an opportunity there for at least one of them to potentially come available and, and be affordable at a reasonable price for the Chicago Bears. I'd also look at, at the Detroit Lions wide receiver depth chart because, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem likely that the Lions would want to trade within the division that way directly to the Bears, although the Vikings did that in the draft a couple of times, trading with the Packers and the and the Lions, I believe, trading up and down in the draft. So maybe there's more of an open-mindedness when you're trading lesser players on the depth chart. And it's not like you were trading top superstar options for any of these teams, but you look at their depth chart. They also have upgraded at wide receiver. They signed DJ Chark from the Jaguars. They drafted Jamerson Williams in the first round from Alabama. They already have Amon Ross St. Brown, who was a breakout rookie for them last season. And so behind all that, you have Quintez Cephas, their former fifth round pick out of Wisconsin, who's looked very good for them. Josh Reynolds, who they signed, who was originally, I think, early in his career with the, with the Rams and had some big seasons. And then, you know, Khalif Raymond has been a player for them that has, has gotten some good production at, at wide receiver. And, like, all of a sudden, you keep all six of them. It's the same math as the Saints. It's like, do you keep five and one of them go? Do you find a way to squeeze all six in there? Or are you willing to potentially move on from a few of those guys? I mean, none of these are number one game changer wide receivers, but guys that have had you know, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred yards receiving in a season that you know can handle a little bit more of a load compared to the guys in Chicago that they have right now that just don't have some of that recent proven production or the type of talent that we've seen some of these other players flash on the field. The Steelers depth chart is one that I've also kind of looked at with, you know, they've, they just drafted George Pickens and Calvin Austin this year, still have Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. So they've got Former Bear Anthony Miller has been a training camp standout for them. There's a guy like Miles Boykin who came over from the Ravens. Gunnar Oluski from the Patriots has always been sort of a special team kind of favorite guy. So it feels like, you know, one of those seven probably isn't going to make it. And your two draft picks and your two top guys, it's Claypool, Johnson, Pickens, Austin. Those are all set. So then it's, is Miles Boykin available? Probably not going to trade back for Anthony Miller, but he's been practicing well. So does that advance him on the depth chart ahead of, you know, Gunnar Oluski or, or some of those other guys that we talked about? You know, maybe something to keep an eye on coming out of Pittsburgh, too. The the pipe dream is like maybe Jalen Rieger from the Philadelphia Eagles. Their first-round pick from just a couple of years ago has kind of rotated out of the, the top of the lineup there because they traded for A.J. Brown. They drafted Devonta Smith. They really like Quez Watkins there, and Zach Pascal came over from the Colts. So it's like Jalen Rieger is a, a former first-round pick who's still very talented and doesn't carry as much of the, the same level of bust as Nikhil Harry. The impression is that like the Eagles don't really necessarily want to trade Jalen Rieger unless they can get something more than a late round pick for him. And I'm not willing to give up more than a late round pick for him. But to me, it's just encouraging that you can look around a bunch of these other teams. I'll throw in Preston Williams from the Dolphins and Nelson Aguilar from the Patriots in this as well. Like there's what's it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams ish that we've gone through there that all might have some kind of excess at wide receiver, or at least some of them will have some amount of extra at wide receiver that they either might be willing to trade or would just cut at the end of training camp and at the end of the preseason. And that's why I think it seems more likely that one of the Bears' week one wide receivers is not currently on the Bears, but is currently on another NFL team and maybe one of these NFL teams that we've been talking about here. The idea is you could trade for them, give up a draft pick for the chance to get them in early, really see what they can do and give them more time to ramp up. But 
You could also just be patient and say, yeah, a couple guys are going to be available and we'll find something that we like out of that group. Certainly, whatever the Bears end up doing at wide receiver, you can be sure we'll break it all down for you right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Certainly, if we get any big Roquan Smith developments over the weekend or any other kind of training camp injuries or practice news and notes, we'll be back for you no matter what on Monday to break it all down. So I hope you'll keep tuning in. Keep making Lockdown Bears your first listen each and every day. And in exchange, Lockdown Bears podcast will give you another opportunity to bear down.